Amen. Amen. Awesome. Thank you guys for leading us. It's great to be with you all. We're, uh, we're kind of moving along at a different uh, speed and a different uh, pace today, in case you didn't notice. It's because I want to speak to you a little longer. That's why I'm trying to hurry everybody up. So, yeah, no, not really. Not really. We're just, uh, we're just trying to do new things. You know, it's the word that God's given us for this year is to do something new. And so I want to ask you, um, we've been asking the accountability questions at the beginning of the service, but I'm going to do them now. And there's a reason we're going to do them now. But did you spend at least five minutes a day, five days last week in God's word, either reading or listening? If you did, say yes. All right. Are you... Sharing Jesus with people. All right. Now then, do you know what the Holy Spirit's saying to you? Are you being obedient to that? Okay. Very good. Are you giving to God with your time, your talents, and your resources? All those areas. Are you doing it? I'm sure you noticed that was a little quieter. Not that I'm asking you to be loud. We're just trying to be honest. Alright, so usually I'm asking these in a different order, but today I'm asking you this one right now. Did you spend some time alone with God this week? Yes. Very good. So you know if you uh, get our uh, weekly, you know, daily Monday through Friday daily devotionals, uh, we send out a thing on YouTube, and if you're not a part of that, you can sign up for it and get that every day. Um, And one of the things I wanted to reemphasize to you on Friday was, please, before today, spend some time alone with God. Whatever you do, I don't care. There was no time frame on it, but last week, as you know in the message, we looked at six different reasons why Jesus spent time alone with the Father. Absolutely, if He did, and He did, then you and I need to. And it's not just to go to God and give Him His to-do list for us, like, this is the things I need from you, so get working. It's so that we can be with God for a multitude of reasons. But here's the reason I asked for you to make sure that this week you did it, all right? As I was praying and looking at what God wants to do this, this week, today, right here in this message, the, the Lord was just impressing upon me, which I felt so strongly to encourage you to be alone with Him for this reason. Anybody that spent time alone with God, did you come out of that time with Him feeling any fear, anxieties, or confusion? How could you? See, in the world, in the times that we are being bombarded with things and all that's happening around us, everything that happens in the world brings about the process of developing fear, confusion, anxieties, worries, and all that comes with it. And so with all that's happening out there, and I'm not ignoring the fact that chaos is everywhere, it's, it is But see, when we are alone with God, all of that disappears. It's out there. It's not in here. It's not in here. It's out there. But when I'm with God and I spend that time with Him, there's this comforting assurance. There is peace and there is rest. And if you look back at the times that Jesus spent with the Father alone, they were going, He was going there for specific reasons in times for those needs in his own life. And so as we go forward, I want you to know that as you spend time alone, you cannot come out of that time with anxieties, worries, fear. It's totally impossible because that is not who God is. God is a God of hope. 
We were singing about it today. He's a God of comfort. He's a God of life. He's a God of love. And when you come into that presence, you cannot come out of that with worries, fears, and anxieties. It is totally impossible. Therefore, when we spend time with God, we get strength and assurance in our faith that God is in control, not the craziness around us that seems so strong in the moment. All right, I'm going to read you some verses. You all know these. We've heard them a lot in the last two and a half years, and there's a reason. Let's listen to these. Philippians 4, 6-8. If you don't have these marked somewhere, if you don't have them up somewhere on your phone or something else reminding you, please do that. Don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. All right, that time alone with God. See, we do need to pray. Jesus did too. He was alone with God so that he could pray. So we're praying about everything in life. All right, so let's keep going. Tell God what you need. Look, there's nothing wrong with you asking God for stuff. There's not. James tells us, don't ask for your own flesh and for your fleshly good. You won't get nothing. But do ask God. All right, Jesus taught in the Lord's Prayer, right? Give us today our daily bread. So there's nothing wrong with us asking for the needs of our life, the needs of our day, and we need to do that. God's Word tells us, tell God what you need. Don't forget to thank Him for all He's done. Spend time in thanks. All right, we won't keep staying here. Just going to move through this for a reason. Then, once you do these things, not worrying, praying, believing, and thanking asking and all those things, then you will experience God's peace, which exceeds anything we can understand. His peace will guard your hearts and minds as you live in Christ Jesus. See that that ongoing relationship with God through Jesus Christ is critical for us, and it goes on and says this, and now, dear brothers and sisters, one final thing. Fix your thoughts on what is true and honorable and right and pure and lovely and admirable. Think about things that are excellent and worthy of praise. Man, just start writing a list out and start changing the way you think because we have all been taught and are being programmed to think about the worst things possible. That's all that we are bombarded with constantly. If you practice this scripture right here, you probably will have to stop watching the news. Any news. I'm not promoting one or the other. I'm saying, like if you do this, because there's no such thing as a good story on the news. Christmas, once a year, they run something nice. One story. All right, but everything else is just bombarding us with hopelessness and despair and trying to convince us that there is no hope. Or there's one hope, or it's this hope, and it depends on where you're watching. And the Word of God is calling us to something that it's Jesus, and our hope and our peace that is beyond understanding is only found in Him. So, over the past two and a half years, any of you that have been here for any season of time with us, you know this. These verses have come up so often. I've shared them with you individually when you're going through crisis. We've talked about them as a congregation, studies all kinds of ways we did this. Philippians 4, 6 through 8. Yep. Now, throughout this time, it's, I love it. I, God's amazing, isn't he? I've been so excited to get here today and for Sunday to come. It's amazing. I'm just like, God, you're so awesome. See, when God does stuff, we don't see down the road. We just live in the moment. 
obedient to what he's doing. So I do know that it's been approximately two and a half years that God has brought this verse up to me that has been just applicable in so many different lives and situations in the church for the moment. But it's not just that. As we look at this and see the crisis of our lives and the different things and how God is trying to give us a makeover in our entire approach to life, God was and is up to something. God is. So God's up to something. He's been. See, I I mean, we can't overemphasize the fact that God is preparing His people for what He's doing. Not what they're doing. See, the world thinks they're in control. They think they're working a plan. God's plan is working. You see, the enemy wanted Judas to sell Jesus out. The Jewish rulers wanted Jesus to be killed. The enemy was working in their lives to destroy what they saw as the answer to life. And it was God's plan all along. (laughs) Look, you and I would have never wrote a plan like that. We wouldn't have. We wouldn't have wanted a plan like that. But God had a plan. It was the redemption of all humanity. And it looked so bad in the moment. But it was God's plan. And it was perfect. Okay. Listen, church, you need to hear me today. You need to hear God, not me. But please hear it through my mouth. God never leaves His people to be caught off guard if we take the time to listen. Never. Read the Word of God. Every single thing that happened to God's people, He warned them. He gave them a heads up. He gave them ultimatums. He gave them options. He gave them a choice. God never let them get caught off guard. Think about it. Okay, a couple Sundays ago, we were preaching in Revelations chapter 2 and 3, bringing up the seven churches. What Jesus said to all seven churches through the prophet and the, and the, the um, John as he was writing God's word to us. In each of those cases, you know this if you're here. If not, you can look back on the website and find the message if you care to. Listen, this is what Jesus said to every one of the churches. His introduction to it was, I know. He was letting them know, I know everything. And at the conclusion of every message to the church, he said these words, anyone with ears to hear must listen to the Spirit and understand what he's saying to the churches. Now we bring that up because in this moment, church, as we're looking at the Word of God, God has never let His people be without understanding of what is about to happen. Never. He comes to the church there in Revelation and says, I know what's going on. You better listen to me because I'm doing something. Okay. You see, God always gives his word and he always keeps his word (laughs) so God is working a plan no matter how it looks or feels to me and you in the moment and often time as I read in scripture the things God is doing very frequently brings uncomfort to his people 
you know, seriously, if you read the Bible and you look in the Old Testament and the New, it's rare that you would read that everything was good and God was moving. Yes, there are seasons where everything is good because of God moving, right? But at every moment that where God is moving and things are moving and everything, it is always met with a challenge. Always. Okay. Let's listen to this story of God's word. John 11. A man named Lazarus was sick. He lived in Bethany with his sisters Mary and Martha. This is the Mary who later poured the expensive perfume on the Lord's feet and wiped them with her hair. Her brother Lazarus was sick. So the two sisters sent a message to Jesus telling him, Lord, your friend is very sick. But when Jesus heard about it, he said, Lazarus' sickness will not end in death. No, it happened for the glory of God so that the Son of God will receive glory from this. So although Jesus loved Mary, Martha, and Lazarus, he stayed there where he was for the next two days. Yep. I know the story, right? So we need you, Jesus. We need you now. You got to do something. Someone you care about is going through a rough time. Listen to Jesus' words. It will not end in death. Guess what? Lazarus died. (laughs) So, we're going to continue looking at this for a minute, but check it out. After Jesus does go and see Lazarus and his sisters, after his intentional delay, this is the conversation that comes up. When Martha got word that Jesus was coming, she went to meet him, but Mary stayed in the house, Martha said to Jesus, Lord, if only you had been here, my brother would not have died. Okay. Listen. Jesus' delay was the death of Lazarus. And the delay was intentional. (laughs) Jesus let him die. Let that sink in. Because God had a plan. Mary and Martha didn't know God's plan. None of it made sense to them. They'd watched Jesus do miracles. They were following him. They trusted him. They sent for him because they knew he could do something about it. But he didn't. And this is how Martha meets him. If you had been here, my brother would not have died. We know that Jesus lifted him up out of the grave. We know that. And it was an amazing testimony to the power that God has over death, the very thing that everyone's so afraid of today. God has power over death. And Jesus was showing them just before his own death and resurrection, this is nothing. I got this. (laughs) See, when we approach difficult challenges that are out of our control. You, you do realize that everything that's happening in this nation and world is out of our control, right? right? So when things are out of our control, we send our message to Jesus, our prayer. Jesus, come now and fix it. Come on, God, change it. 
You know we love you and you love us. So therefore, come now. Come now. Don't delay. We can't spare another moment. It's about to end. Can I hear one amen? No, seriously, I'm saying like, is that not the approach that the church has taken to what's going on in the world around us? God, you got to do something now. You can't wait. Don't delay. Certain death is upon us. It's all over. Yeah. And nothing changes right away. And so oftentimes, when we meet the crisis face to face, we have the exact same response that Martha did. If you'd been here, it wouldn't have been like this. I asked you to come. And look what happened. Where are you? (laughs) Where are you? Nothing is happening like I think it ought to. (laughs) Should be an amen to that one, right? (laughs) Okay. So let's look back for a moment at another amazing God thing that happened. We briefly mentioned this. You all know the story as well. You know this story. You know all of them, hopefully. And if not, if it's all nudie, it's God's word. It's amazing. Children of Israel in the Exodus, they're leaving. They marched out in victory. Exodus 14. Then the Lord gave these instructions to Moses. Order the Israelites to turn back. Did you ever catch those words turn back and camp and he gives them an exact location doesn't matter how you say those words like you know by Broadway and Craycroft so, <laughs> alright but look seriously he says right here this is where I want you now look the Israelites had already gone past this place And he says, turn back. I want you to camp right there. God says this. This is the reason God says to Moses to tell the people, then Pharaoh will think the Israelites are confused and they're trapped in the wilderness. So God's working a plan. The Israelites didn't know the full plan. All they knew is, go back a little bit and camp right there. Okay, we're camping. All's great. Until the Egyptians show up. Now remember who put them there. They knew God led them. Don't forget that there was a pillar of cloud by day and fire by night that led them. And when it lifted, they were to move. And when it went to a place and came down, that's where they camped. So God's presence was right where they were in the position for camping, not moving. Right? So God did this. Going on down further in the chapter there, it says, The Egyptians chased after them with all the forces in Pharaoh's army, all his horses and chariots, his charioteers and his troops. The Egyptians caught up with the people of Israel as they were camped beside uh, Broadway and Craycraft, right? Right there. (laughs) There he is. See, this place of entrapment. The enemy saw it as a trap 
because God wanted it to appear like a trap. Right? See, God knows the way the world thinks, and he was setting them up for his victory. Isn't that awesome? (laughs) The world is so clueless. They race forward thinking they have absolute victory, only to find out when they get there, it's absolute defeat. People of God, why are we being fearful? Our God is in control of everything. See, that place of entrapment, that it appeared in such a way that it would lure the enemy into their defeat, was all part of God's plan. And going on further in the chapter, it says, As Pharaoh approached, the people of Israel looked up and panicked. What in the world? Why? The pillar of cloud and fire was still there. God brought them there. But when they saw the enemy, they panicked. What happens when you panic? See, this is exactly what happens. Come on, church. This is what happens right here. When they panicked and they saw the Egyptians overtaking them, which they weren't, but they saw it as being overtaken, they cried out to the Lord, that's a good statement, and said to Moses, now it goes downhill. Why did you bring us out here to die in the wilderness? Weren't there enough graves for us in Egypt? Didn't we tell you this would happen while we were still in Egypt? We said, leave us alone. Let us be slaves to the Egyptians. It's better to be a slave in Egypt than a corpse in the wilderness. Is it? Look, God's leading. God's leading. Everything, like see, as soon as you begin to panic and look at the situation, you begin to question God. Is that not the story of God's people? Is that not crazy? When we look at the situation, we panic and question God. We not only question Him, we give Him instructions as to what He ought to have done, ought to be doing, and what the future should look like. And then the brokenness of the past looks way better. Look, the only reason they came out was because God was answering their prayer. Go back in Exodus and you know what? Moses comes and God says, tell them I have heard their cries. They were begging God to get them out of where they were. Now God's bringing them out and they're like, oh, I want to go back. (laughs) Seriously. Think about it, church. How often do we respond the same way? We start on this journey and we're believing God and things don't go the way we think they ought to. He doesn't respond immediately like we think he needs to. And then we question him as to why he didn't and what he's actually doing. So in response to their whining, their complaining, their questioning, their wishing they were slaves again and all this, this is what Moses tells the people. But Moses tells the people, don't be afraid. Just stand still and watch the Lord rescue you today. (laughs) Isn't that amazing? Church, please stand in your faith right now. Right now, stand in your faith. Watch your God move. 
the Egyptians you see today will never be seen again. Isn't that awesome? The Lord himself will fight for you. Just stay calm. Take a breath, man. <laughs> How calm are you? So how calm are you dealing with your challenges? What is it that you're facing right now that you're not calm about? See, God led you. Has God led you? Or are you where you led you? If God led you, quit whining. Quit questioning. Be calm. Watch God work. He did not bring you there to abandon you. I love God's response to this. Church, listen. Well, first off, I had a couple questions I wanted to ask you. This is not action steps. All right. Well, they are, but they're in the middle. (laughs) Is the Holy Spirit leading your life? I want a response to that. If he's not, there's your first problem. Okay, and so you need to surrender and allow him to lead you. Now, are you in control or is God? All right, now it's easy to say that, right? <laughs> I mean, we ought to say it. We're God's people in God's house, and we want to be right, at least right here right now, right? So we're like, yeah, God, you're in control. But is he in control? Are you really facing things and trusting him in the midst of it? Are you questioning him and whining about stuff? Are you telling him what he should have already done? Are your prayers simply lists of demands that as your child, you owe me? Now, you may not say it like that, but a lot of times our prayers are just like that. I'm your child, therefore. None of us like those kind of children. We all want to spank them for the parent. And if you don't, thank you for whatever you got going on. I'm just saying, like, a good squat on the butt is okay, one. You know, it's needed. I needed more of them. All right? So what I'm saying, and I'm, I'm, I'm not, you know, let's not get off track here. All I'm saying is, is like, we don't like when a child is demanding its way when it's a child. And yet we often come to God that way. We think that we're grown up, and therefore in our faith, we have the authority and the right to demand God. Oh. It's like it's scary to me sometimes when I hear Christian people talk about the way they've talked to God or the things they've said to God or their expectations of God. I mean, he's, he's God. And every time he shows up, even one of his angels in Scripture, the people that meet them, they're like, Pfft. they can't stand up. They're scared to death. That's what's going to happen when we see God, not out of fear, but out of awe and reverence and a godly fear, every one of us. That's why the Word of God says every knee will bow. Satan's going to bow and declare that Jesus Christ is Lord. Okay. All right. I love this right here. When Here's what Moses says. Don't be afraid. Just stand still. Watch Lord rescue today. The Egyptians you see today will never see again. The Lord himself will fight for you. Just stay calm. Then the Lord said to Moses, why are you crying out to me? Tell these people to get moving. 
Where? <laughs> They're trapped, right? Think about it. There appeared to be no way. There appeared to be no way. And God's response was, what are you whining about? Get moving. Okay, there's water and there's an army. I would have picked the water. No doubt about it. I wouldn't have gone towards the Egyptians. I would have picked the water. But I would have been thinking I'm going for a swim. Right? I mean, we would. Let's be real. This is what he says. Get moving. Pack up your stuff. It's time to move now. We face the enemy. God something. Now get ready. This is what God says. Pick up your staff. Raise your hand over the sea. Divide the water so the Israelites can walk through the middle of a sea on dry ground. Man, church, we know the story. We see this stuff. This is not a Hollywood production, even though you've seen one. This is God in action. This is God moving. I want you to know that God always has a plan. God always has a plan. And not only does he have a plan, he will always make a way. We can be sure of that. That does not mean it is the plan or the way you want to go. (laughs) You should probably think about that one too. It doesn't mean it's going to be the way you think you ought to or the way you want to. And it may not look like the promised land that you have fantasized in your head. But if God says move, move. If God says go, go. If God says to do this, do this. Whatever it is, you can trust his plan, even if it feels like a trap. (laughs) All right. We're not done. Um, And we got plenty of time, but I'm just telling you we're not done because I'm super excited about this, what God does in this. It's so, he's so amazing. He is. When you leave here today, you should have, by God's words, truth. Everyone in this room should have this amazing faith that just complete calm. Yeah. So we're going to look at a different scenario in the Bible. And uh, all of these things are so applicable. God's word is applicable to our life every day. But today, um, these, these things that God has given to us are to help us to believe and trust no matter what we face. That's what it's all about. Daniel is one of those characters in the Bible that is like, he's just amazing man of God. Never wavered, never failed. He ran the race, unbelievably. He was God's man in every situation, and he faced some stuff, right? He was a captive of war. That's how his story in our lives begins, as being taken as a captive of war by the enemy, against God's people, taken from God's nation into a pagan culture. That's how his story begins. Man of God, let that one sink in. Come on. It was God's plan. It was God's plan to take Daniel as a captive of war to a pagan land. He stayed true to his God in that place even when it was against the law for him to serve his God. Let that sink in, church. Here's the man of God. 
as he's living there, staying true to God, worshiping God, serving God, praying three times a day like he always did. The reason he prayed three times a day towards Jerusalem was he read the words that God had spoken through the prophet Jeremiah that for 70 years God would take them and place them in captivity. Daniel knew they were coming to the end of the 70 years and he was like, wow, this is what God said was going to happen. God, I believe you. And he began to pray morning, noon, and night for God's deliverance and the release of the captives to go back to Israel. Isn't that awesome? God's so amazing. He's so amazing. So through the years of Daniel's life and service, he is recognized for being a man of integrity and wisdom and a man with the Spirit of God as God uses him in various situations and God lifts him up in the political environment. He was a politician. He was a man of God, politician. He had a political position in the government and it was God's plan. Laws were made that did not allow Daniel to pray to God. The government that he served and was part of, that wrote his check, said, you can't do that any longer. Should be a little quiet right now. Hmm. You can't pray to any other God except the king, our God. That's what the government said. Stamped and sealed, it is law. Daniel prayed three times a day just like he always did. No law would stop his relationship with God. No government and no king would infringe upon his relationship with his living God. <laughs> Daniel 6. But when Daniel learned that the law had been signed, he went home and knelt down as usual. In his upstairs room, with its windows open toward Jerusalem. <laughs> and he prayed three times a day, just as he has always done, giving thanks to his God. <laughs> That's so awesome, man. <laughs> thank you, God. We just want to pause and say thank you. <laughs> so, you know... Everything gets really crazy right now for Daniel and the king and all these things because the king realizes he did something stupid, but it's too late because it's the law. And he loves Daniel. But he doesn't have a choice because the law is the law and he can't change it. So they go and pick up Daniel, verse 16. So at last, the king gave orders for Daniel to be arrested, thrown into the den of lions, which was the consequences if you prayed to anyone else. The king said to him, listen to this, this is so cool. May your God, whom you serve so faithfully, rescue you. <laughs> See, this pagan king saw the life Daniel lived for his God. He was known. People knew that Daniel lived for God. They knew. Even those who didn't serve his God knew that he lived his life for God. The king saw it. He said, the God whom you serve so faithfully. This is the king's hope. In the midst of complete, utter 
appearance of disaster, the king has this little glimmer of hope. May your God, whom you serve so faithfully, rescue you. He's like hoping that that God really exists and will do something to fix the screwed up brokenness that he created. Isn't that awesome? Please. So a stone was brought. I'm going to keep reading. So a stone was brought and placed over the mouth of the den. The king sealed the stone with his own royal seal and the seals of his nobles so that no one could rescue Daniel. (laughs) Then the king returned to his palace and he spent the night fasting. He refused his usual entertainment and couldn't sleep at all that night. Very early in the next morning, the king got up and hurried out to the lion's den. Why would he go there? Has anyone ever come out of the lion's den? Why would he go there? He had a hope in Daniel's God. And listen to what happens right here. When he got there, he called out in anguish, Daniel, listen to the difference here, servant of the living God. (laughs) Was your God whom you serve so faithful able to rescue you from the lions? That living God that you've been living for, He's real. The king had a transformation in the night. From I hope that God does something too. Servant of the living God. Come out of there. (laughs) Oh man. So amazing, isn't it? See, something happened in the night of fasting. There was something going on in the palace that night and it wasn't normal. (laughs) See, God became real to this pagan king in that night and in the consequences of the brokenness that was happening before him. You know, honestly, church, please, I, I think the church sees the political leaders as broken pagans, unreachable. They're not unreachable to God. No. You have no idea what God is doing right now. We have no idea what God is doing. God visited this pagan king. See, let's go to Daniel for a moment and think about it. Like as far as he knew, it was over. You think he really thought, I'm just going in here to spend the night with the lions? No, seriously. He was a political leader. He knew this is the way people died in that nation. I guarantee you he'd seen other prisoners go in the hole and nobody came out. He didn't. I mean, I I just, it doesn't say anything about Daniel's approach. But I just have to believe Daniel didn't see himself coming out of there. No way. He didn't see that. Isn't it amazing, though? See, what happened to that king that night is he changed from one who saw Daniel serving God to one who would serve the living God himself. And if you continue to read that story, he absolutely 
had faith in God and wrote a letter to his nation saying, you will not ever speak against this God ever again. <laughs> See, not everything we face is all about us. <laughs> not everything we face is all about us. See, God's doing something. Now, don't blame God for you putting yourself in a lion's den. But don't think he can't get you out of there even if you jumped in it. He can. But I'm telling you, man, God's up to something. And it's not always about us. Was your God, whom you serve so faithfully, able to rescue you? I love that. I'm like, God, you're so able, you're so amazing. And as you read through the history of God's people, both in the Old Testament and the New Covenant Church of Jesus Christ, there were those that God brought out of prisons, and there were those that God allowed to be executed. God had a plan. When Stephen was taken out and killed, the very first martyr of the Christian faith, God was doing something with Stephen's life, even in his death. Because there was that young man, Saul, standing on the sidelines, the one who actually was giving consent, condoning, saying, yes, kill that guy. And who went on a rampage against the church, killing others, imprisoning people, and unleashing holy hell is the word we would use today. That's what Paul, Saul, did against the church of Jesus Christ. God knew. God knew. He wasn't like, uh-oh, what am I going to do about this guy? He just showed up in the middle of the road in front of him and said, what do you think you're doing? You're done. Right now. And guess what? You're going to pay for what you did to my church. Not only are you going to serve me, but now you're going to go through holy hell as you serve me. <laughs> This amazing God is incredible. And he has invited you and I into this amazing relationship with him. And it is an incredible journey and a most incredible time. It is an incredible time to serve God. Please don't let all that stuff take you away from the fact that our God is leading us in and through this situation with his master plan unfolding before his eyes, and he's got us. No matter what. He's got us, no matter what. Are you a servant of the living God? See, that means are you born again? Are you saved? Are you in relationship with the Father? Are you his child? And if you are his child, do you see... Every day, do those who see you in everyday life know you're a servant of the living God? <laughs> they should see that you are a child of the living God every day. See, the testimony should be coming from them more than you. Your life should be reflecting whom you serve, how you serve, and who he is. See, Daniel lived in the most difficult of situations in a pagan country as a man of God and people knew. Okay, 
They ought to know. Where's the evidence? Will you serve God faithfully no matter what the laws are made out to be or what they oppose? I'm not just saying that lightly. If things don't change, there's going to be things coming against the church. I hope you know that. It's not coming against me and you. It's coming against God, and he's very well aware. All right? doesn't matter. The laws don't change our relationship with God. It can't. It can't. And it won't. No matter what it takes, stand for him. He's brought people out of prison before. He's brought people out of lion's den before. He's taken them into heaven with him before. Whatever the outcome, they're going to see God living in us, no matter what. (laughs) Is the God you serve able? Do you see him as more than enough in the situation that you are currently facing? Seriously, is he more than enough? Yeah, let's not forget that because it is there that we remain calm. Isn't that awesome? God's peace and calm. That's why we spend that time alone with him because that presence of God brings about that calmness of his control and not ours. And so when we live our lives that way, I could be calm in the midst of crazy. That's what, that will stand out more than anything else today. Calm in the midst of crazy. It's crazy. Stay calm. God's got us. He's making a way. Just wait. Don't begin to question. Don't live in fear. Begin to think about all that God has done and all God will do. He's got us. Pause and listen. The Holy Spirit's speaking. I'm going to stand together, get you out early today. If you want to pray, need to pray, if you don't know Jesus, please let today be the day that you know him. Please come into relationship with him. He loves you. If you've been allowing the situations of your life to cause anxieties and fears and worries, you need to lay them down, man. You, we are called to lay them down. Pray. Give it to him. Thank him for what he's done, all that he's doing this Give it to him. He's working. God's working. He's doing it. You need to. We ask people to come forward to the altar because, you know, it's a place that we come to present ourselves. You know, the altar was a place of sacrifice. It was something we gave to God. That's what we're doing. We're giving our life. We're giving our fears, our anxieties, our situations. We're trusting. We're laying ourselves down so that he might be lifted up just growing in that relationship with him being calm in the midst of everything because he is God I want you to know he's able (laughs) God thank you God thank you hey can we just can you just uh, if you're physically able to kneel can you kneel and if you're not you can be seated. God knows your heart and you can be kneeling in your heart. God, today we are not going to wait till the day we stand before you. We confess that Jesus Christ is Lord right here for the glory of the Father. You are Lord. 
No one else, Lord. No one else. We beseech you, God, on behalf of our nations. We need you. Visit with our leaders. Local government, state government, and country government. Meet with them. God, they need your call. They need your presence. Stir their hearts, God. (laughs) We trust you no matter what. We are yours no matter what. We serve you above all else. Thank you. God, thank you for what we see that you have done in history. Thank you for what you're doing in the moment. Thank you for what you're going to do. God, we are your people. And we surrender to your plan, not ours. Forgive us for the times that we have questioned you, that we've whined and complained. Forgive us for the times that we have jumped into lion's dens and expected you to rescue us. (laughs) And thank you for rescuing us. (laughs) Thank you. Lord, lead us. We're yours. We're all in. We're all in, God. Let us go forth as your church, united, calm, and walking by your lead. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you, church. God bless you. He's amazing, isn't he? Thank you, God. Yeah. We praise you, Lord. Thank you for all you do, God. Thank you for what you're doing.